Welcome to the very first Monsoon podcast, where we dive into some of the most perplexing and pressing issues facing the Asia-Pacific today. The Monsoon Project is the platform for student voices across the Asia-Pacific. We're based at the Crawford School of the Australian National University, but we welcome any student with an interest in Asia-Pacific affairs. Write for us, just head over to themonsoonproject.org for more information. For our first episode, we'll be chatting to Asan Nabavi, a research fellow at the 3A Institute. 3A stands for Autonomy, Agency and Assurance, and its goal is to build a new applied science for managing artificial intelligence, data and technology going to the 21st century. 3A turns one year old just next month, so it's as good time as ever to hear what technologists are doing in this space. So to start, Ehsan, could you please introduce yourself? Yes, of course. Um, my name is Ehsan Nababi, and um, maybe I should start with my background. I have a bachelor in civil engineering, major in structure, minor in traffic engineering, master in hydraulic engineering, water resource management, and PhD in sociology. And I was working on science and technology studies when I was uh, working at Harvard as a research fellow. And now I'm currently working with a group of amazing people at 3A Institute, at ANU, on the future of AI and how we can manage artificial intelligence and data and technology. To start, Asan, could you maybe explain what do we mean by artificial intelligence? This is a good question because there is no agreement on what do we mean by artificial intelligence. There's a big debate out there and different people have different opinions because when you don't have a concrete answer to this question, you probably don't have another answer to the question that what's the future of AI. By AI, we mean different things. So you can have the idea that artificial intelligence uh, came to exist maybe in 1950s uh, in Stanford, uh, which is taught there. But you can trace it back in early 20th century or even before that. So when you say these very early examples, what do you mean? So exactly. So last last week, there was a paper published in Nature talking about the dreams of autonomous systems and autonomous devices back in... uh, 3,000 years ago. So depends on how you define artificial intelligence. You can trace it back as much as you want, but it sets expectations. So if, you, if you're saying that you know, this is an uh, artificial intelligence or a smart, you set the different expectation. And based on that, you will have different future that you can imagine in your mind. Great. So I guess we can delve a little bit into the institute you're working at, the 3A Institute, and maybe we can go through what each of these A's really yes. means. So we start with autonomy, the question of how do we think about the idea of autonomy and how do we build for it? Do you want to discuss yes. that question? Um, so I think that you know what, what's interesting about uh, 3A is that it taps into very critical question that we might ask about any sort of technology, specifically those who are which are emerging technologies like AI. Taking the very easy example, which is the self-driving cars, which is all about autonomous systems, the question is more than technical challenges of autonomous system, how we should build it, what's the engineering. But what we, we are interested in is that what are the ethical questions that we should ask? The same thing that we should ask about if our system are autonomous enough. First of all, what do we mean by autonomy? That's another question. How much autonomy we are giving those systems? And by defining those autonomy, we tap into another question, which is the agency, which is self-empowerment. 
So this, this is, is the, second the second A. a which is agency, how much or what degree, to what degree we want to give power to our systems that are autonomous. And it brings us another question, the safety and assurance, which is the third A, whether these systems are safe enough to be used by citizens or those who are using this. So it depends on what do we mean by, again, those intelligent systems. We may have different ecosystem of stakeholders. Those stakeholders are interested to use safe, secure, and sometimes sustainable system. Again, there's the question about assurance. Put them all together. There are three A we are interested to to tackle, and we think that addressing these questions are fundamental for building new uh, disciplines. So we are at Three A Institute. We are building a new applied science, which we think that you know this is very fundamental for our age. Uh, so one of the things that I can say is that in 2015, there was a, a discussion coming out of World Economic Forum, and they herald a new wave of industrialization, the fourth industrial revolution characterized by cyber-physical system and Internet of the Things. Before that, so they said that before that, we have the first industrial revolution characterized by steam engine, steam power. Second was by electricity, automated machines. Third was by computers. And now we are entering the fourth. But all of them are transformational. They change the society. They change the political system. They change the public policy. They change what do we mean by technology. They change the way that we think we interact together with one another on a daily basis. And, and the new disciplines emerge based on those industrializations uh, that come one after another. We are thinking that if we are entering a new age, which is characterized by cyber-physical system, probably we need a new disciplines, new set of curriculum, new set of new body of knowledge, which help us to better understand uh, the current status quo, the status quo, the current system, as well as imagining a good future. So two questions from that. Firstly, you talked a lot about cyber-physical systems. Do you want to explain maybe to people who don't know what that means, um, what cyber-physical sure, systems Sure, cyber-physical system. You can think of anything around you, like your mobile, the computer, tablets, or you can imagine something more sophisticated, those that connect both physical body of something, which can be a robot, to something that relates that relates directly to the piece of information that computes things, numbers. And by the connection between these two, cyber and the physical, you have an emergent system that moves beyond both physical and the cyber systems and gives you something unique. can be your, your mobile, can be social media that you're working in a daily basis, uh, or it can be an autonomous submarine or a drone working on itself. Depends, depends on how you define it, but this is the, the whole point is that the connection between the cyber and the physical system, which is the, the dash between both cyber and the physical, that's important. So that connects both physical and the, and the cyber system. 
So it's like how we're surrounded by both the technology exactly, and the data exactly. and how it affects us. Exactly, exactly yeah. how it impacts humanity in a broader sense. Uh, you talked a lot in your previous answer about how you're trying to come up with this new discipline to deal with the changes that we're facing. And your own background was in all kinds of civil engineering and now you're here dealing with technology. What kinds of out-of-the-box expertise is necessary for the research in this new area? Being open to other disciplines. So I think that if I want to summarize one thing is that the, the, the most important things for building a new discipline is that we have to be open to other discussions happening in other disciplines because we are living in a, in a society dealing with the technologies that are uh, connected everything to everything. So literally anything that you can find from the ecosystem sustainability issues is connected to other things from the cyber physical system to social media. So you can imagine everything is connected to everything. And for doing that, um, you need people from variety of disciplines with different methodologies and different set of skills in order to um, tackle these issues. Because one of the things which I think very critical uh, in addressing issues and the challenges related to artificial intelligence is that often we think that it is a technology that has to be designed only and only by computer scientists. Our presumption is that this is technical and they should design it and the algorithm and the data are neutral. So if they can do it, we can just use it, which is not the case because if AI, the power of all those products that I've said to you, I mean, like, you know, it can be a Siri, it can be Facebook recommendation or Netflix recommendation, everything. So everything. it influences society. A- everything that you think that, you know, this is a new technology, which is powered by AI, is designed by us humans. Thus, it reflects all our weakness and flaws if I can say something from the social psychology, one of the major flaws and weakness of us as human is biases and prejudices. And this is obviously, you can see numerous examples of how AI dealing with the problem of biases because algorithm in, in, in itself are not neutral. It's a myth that we say that, okay, algorithm is like similar other technology they are not neutral. Uh, they are our opinion embedded in code. And there are numerous examples how AI and other products that used and powered by AI uh, have problems. So, for example, um, like in 2015, one of the Google's software engineer, she opened her Google Photos and uh, went through the photos that she had in her library. And what she found was quite horrendous. Uh, she found that one of her friends... Uh, black friends were labeled by the Google uh, as gorilla. Yeah, I think I saw that. Yes. Uh, so that was the moment for people who believed in AI and that the AI, considering AI as the solution of all time. So they thought that, okay, this is something wrong. And Google came up and said that, you know, it was a mistake, apologize, and we will fix it quickly. Uh, it turned out it didn't uh, yet. I mean, like, you know, three years after that, what Google did was that, you know, block the algorithm to, to recognize gorillas. So rather than fixing the problem, it's a good reminder that, you know, those people who were collecting the data, training the data, and those software related to the AI should be aware about those ramifications of 
their jobs. And also, we have to be uh, very aware that, you know, we, they, those teams building the AI should be uh, inclusive enough to think about all these issues. So obviously, those who build the old algorithms, definitely they didn't think about those people who were in charge for uh, writing the algorithm. They didn't uh, consider putting and training data based on people from other ethnicity, maybe, or like uh, people of other colors. So, um, so again, going back to the discipline, definitely for the discipline, we need wide range of voices from the sociology, philosophy, engineering, nuclear physics, whatever. So, so imagine any discipline, it has to be included. And also we have to include all the people, other voices that we think that, you know, mm, had nothing to do with AI. No, this is not the case. If we want to build something new that address those ethical governance issues, definitely we have to consider the voice of everyone. So I guess what will this new discipline do for us as a society? It, it trains people. Often when you, when you are trained as an engineer, you are going to the field, to the work, and find a career based on a particular set of skills, which are often very technical. However, Imagine you are trained a practitioner who knows philosophy, who knows anthropology, who knows very ethical issues that associated with developing a technology. And this is a niche for our business as well. So when, when you are seeing that, you know, our business are developing without considering, for example, environmental issues, one of the reasons is that there was no people in those companies to warn them about what they're doing as, as a company. So imagine, I'll take you back to 1960s when there was a construction company were interested in the new shiny thing, which was dam. Dams. Dams, yes. And they call it often in the literature the dam revolution because that was so shiny. That was so amazing. And, and all the nation states project can be complemented by the new project. And, and People say that, okay, we not necessarily people, the states, the government say that, okay, we bring them to our states and make our country prosperous, modern, and many good adjectives that you can use for any nation. That was the moment that, you know, if we had the idea that what, what about the environment? What about the people? What about those displaced communities? This is the moment that, you know, we miss in the history. And it took us a couple of decades that we bear the consequence of those technologies. That is the negative unintended consequences that the human's history is full of that. So what we are interested in 3A is that we, we should think about those um, consequences and ramification of industrial AI and learn from history and ask good question about the future. So my point is that the future of AI or any, any emerging technology is bright if we ask better question. And what we are doing at 3A is that we train practitioners, we train students to go out there asking the right question, helping the technicians, scientists to deal with the situation at best that they can. So this is one of the, uh, our hopes uh, for developing and designing a new curriculum. So this, you know, this next revolution we hear, I feel every day about all the kinds of issues that it throws up. So what is your specific interest, I guess? Is there a specific area that 
interests you the most and that you're researching and tackling? Because my background is in, as I said, uh, water resource systems and public policy around environmental issues, my question that I really like to invest my time is that what happens to decision-making about environment, water resources, or ecosystem? Because the new technology, new cyber-physical systems are emerging. The manifestation of these technologies are, like you can imagine, those very little or big devices that you can send to the marine, so that you can send to, to like, use it in the oceans or water resource systems and anywhere. You can use it at any, any sort of scale, and they can collect you a huge set of data. And you will have uh, more data, and this is very interesting for the scientists because, you know, bigger data in your computer, in your simulation, the better. But this is a very tricky question. I mean, like, you know, because they not necessarily, if you bring more data on the table, you will not necessarily have better answer. I'm interested to know more about what happens to the future of policymaking for environment and sustainability and how sustainable development goals that, mm, that the UN is quite interested in, uh, how it affects and affected by the new emerging technology powered by AI. Where can you see it uh, going well, I guess, and where can you see it going wrong, this nexus between uh, your environmental interest and AI technology? Where it can go right is on many fronts, you know, you can imagine that you have more data. You can think about your problem in, in, from multifaceted, I mean, from different perspectives. When you mentioned before about if only people thought of the environmental or human consequences of the dam building, you know, is there a similar analogy that you can draw with mm. AI and technology? One of the biggest challenges that uh, we might face is that we get stuck in the in collecting data we just just don't think about the what's the bigger picture what's what's the aim of collecting data and also there is a problem we forget about asking who owns the data or what the quality of data should be look like i'm just trying to think about like the social and political implication of any any sort of data that you collect did you want to go more into those you know social political implications in general yes you, you imagine like you have you have a mobile phone so do i and everyone else listening to this podcast and we have smartwatch and all of these devices collect data on the basis of seconds you can imagine we have a big library of data there is a saying that you know every 2 days we generate information, as much information as we did throughout the history until 2003. You can imagine how much data we produce every day. The data is the, is the power of AI. So if, if, if you want to know what big data is, it is AI's library. If you have a big library, you can, man, you can imagine that's, again, the question of authority. Who speaks on behalf of those data, who owns the data, and the social and political implication can be multiple. I mean, you have a smartwatch or, or a mobile phone, which can collect data from your daily activities and can be used against you in court if you say something wrong. Everything is there, but depends on who owns it. You may have running into different issues and the problems. 
The same thing happened for the environmental issues. Again, that's a question, why we need those data? Who collects it? What's the quality of data should be look like? And again, that's a bigger question. Why do we need that data? Why should we invest that much of money for building those uh, censoring uh, machines in order to collect data for what purposes and who is going to benefit from that. So is it the people, is it the environment, is it the state, or is it the private companies? This is a question that we should ask whenever we want to collect data or building any new cyber physical system. So I imagine the point you're getting to is that we shouldn't be you know, stumbling passively into this new world. We have to direct it consciously and just ask questions at every exactly. juncture exactly. about what exactly. we're doing. Okay, I guess uh, one of my you know, final questions is that in an ANU poll at the start of this month, over half of people were not actually that concerned about losing their job due to automation and machines. And the director of the 3A Institute, so Professor Genevieve Bell, uh, she said we should be prepared for the next long-term transformation. So do you think in Australia, as you know, generally, are we being too short-sighted? Are we giving these issues the attention that oh, they deserve? Um, this is very topical, asking, you know, when, when we talk about AI, another question that comes after exactly what happens to our job. So I brought you something here. Uh, Let me read it a part of the paper abstract about the ramification of industrial AI. So it says, robotics, expert systems, medical consultation, and other AI programs and machines are already in use. What are the effects of those products? Expert system may be called on to make medical or military judgment in real time. Industrial robots may obviate the need for a blue-collar workforce. This paper titled Social Implication of Artificial Intelligence actually is published 34 years ago, 1984. This is not a new concern. There is a concern that, you know, what happens to us, what happens to our jobs. What I want to say, this is not a new concern. However, for sure, we are a start of the conversation. We are a start of something new. But the extent of which, it's not that clear. But definitely we should be ready to change because we are part of the transformation. Uh, Remember, I'll talk about the different stage of the industrialization. First, second, third, and we are moving toward the fourth. And and each of these transformation and the transition, there was a n- not a one clear, neat boundary between the first and the second or the third and the fourth. There is a very gradual, a smooth transition between one and two, and we don't recognize that this is maybe we are in the third, but some people will say that, no, we are already in the fourth. Again, we, but this is a part of the transformation. And I, as I said, any, transpo- any transformation change every aspect of the society, including the disciplines that, you know, you need to develop for addressing the challenges that we have to face. My my personal example to my friends when I use is that think about the religion. When religion is established in a society, it can change everything. The way people understand the world to the way people understand time in terms of the praying and many other stuff. Also, there's a many question about the infrastructure that needed for that religion, including the church or the mosque or many other things. The same thing happens for any transformation at the industrial level. Imagine you have a steam engine revolution 
we changed our idea of a time because at that time we invented the time zone. You can have numerous examples in your mind about like how this transformational change can have massive social and political implication for in our society. Going back to your question, for the future, definitely we should be aware of the changes that's happening. But again, I don't believe that, you know, uh, because there is a hype in the, the cycle of the AI. As I said to you, there, there is a, this is a paper that uh, it's published 34 years ago. The main concern was um, the jobs. Um, we should be concerned about it, but you know, we, that fear shouldn't paralyze us. We should, we should focus on what is right to do and asking the right questions you know, for our future. Amazing. Thank you so much for the fantastic discussion. Listeners, what do you think? How will AI, data and technology transform your field of study or work? The Monsoon Project is really keen to hear your thoughts. You can reach us on Facebook at Monsoon Project or on Twitter at Monsoon underscore project. Goodbye for now, but we'll be back soon with another podcast. <laughs>